appreciate it, Therese. Uh, earlier, Therese was worried he was going to step on my toes. Um, uh, Mini sermon, I guess. And he didn't. And I appreciate it very much. So thank you for your word. Presenting his word, I guess. Good morning. I don't know everybody in the room. I'm thankful for that. We have some, some new faces out there. In case you don't know me, my name is Justin Howell. Uh, Nate does the majority of the preaching, but all of us kind of rotate and take turns preaching and kind of do it together. It's uh, just how we do things here. We don't have one person that's responsible for that necessarily. So uh, I think it's a wonderful thing, and I'm excited to, to stand before you today and to uh, present God's Word to you. A um, couple of just housekeeping items before I get started here and I forget about them. Is one, we do have the potluck today. Again, if you're new here and you didn't bring anything with you, don't mind. Please join us for uh, a potluck directly after the sermon today. Two, um, we have a really awesome men's group that meets 6.30 every Wednesday. Um, get to dive into some deeper details. I haven't been there for a couple of weeks. What are we discussing Romans. Yeah. You're, that's actually, that's flying. <laughs> that's moving pretty quick. Great group of guys. You want to know and learn a lot more and a lot more detail about the Bible. I think that's a great place to get it. It's just a, a good group of gentlemen that really do know a lot. Uh, third is there's a women's study every Monday. Somebody tell me the time on that, at, and it's at Kim Kennedy's house, right? So if you want, at 6.30, Kim Kennedy's house, Marsha, thank you. Marsha's house, if you want any more information, please go talk to Peg, or Jess, or Kim, and find out, or Rachel, and find out a little bit more about that. And then lastly, uh, Donaldo Hogan is hosting a study every Wednesday evening his house, um, and they're going, the fellowship hall, jeez, <laughs> that's what I get for just shooting from the hip, 6.30, 6.30, here at the fellowship hall, okay, a little bit frustrating, sorry for that, let's jump in, so last week, uh, Nate gave a really great sermon, uh, had, it was he related it to Thanksgiving and praise and giving thanks. Uh, he went over and used uh, David as one of his examples, as we know from the story of David, a man after God's own heart, right? Um, but then he sinned, and in his sin, uh, sin against God, he uh, had an affair with Bathsheba, uh, ended up bearing his son, and then... Um, tried to get one of his warriors, Uriah, killed to cover up his sin. But as Nate pointed out in his sermon last week, even through that, later, he was able to praise God and be forgiven. By the end of Nate's sermon last week, he started talking about contentment. And this time of year, contentment can be difficult. If we look at the world around us, contentment is a hard subject because it, we're just we're, we're, we're blared with ads and 
different messages and marketing that says that what we have isn't good enough, that we need more of it. And that's, that's definitely here in America very true. That is the culture that we have. We have a consumer culture. It's something I think we're all aware of that we know. Maybe some of us are more tempted by that than others. But it's amongst us that we should not be content with. We have, our houses aren't big enough. Our, our cars aren't new enough. Our clothes aren't good enough. That what we have is not enough. At the same time, though, as we, as we wrap up Thanksgiving, as we, we give thanks for what we do have, and everything good in our life is to the glory of God. Comparing those two, they, they, they just don't, they don't mesh. And that's kind of what my, my sermon is here, is continuing Nate's a little bit about contentment and finding con- contentment in Christ, but also taking a, a look at what contentment is and what praise, contentment, and all of that, what it what the basis is and where it comes from. What's, where's, the, where's the beginning of all of that? And where do we see that in the Bible? So, Jeremiah Burroughs, uh, he's a Puritan preacher, 400 years ago wrote, 400 years ago, mind you, I, they, I wouldn't think that 400 years ago they would want much, right? There wasn't much to have. 400 years ago wrote, contentment does not come by adding to what you have, but by subtracting from what you desire. The world says that if you find contentment when in find find contentment when your possessions rise to meet your level of your desires, the Christian has another way to be content. That is, he can bring his desires down to his possessions. Isn't that a wonderful note and thought? And really it does relate to thanksgiving and praise to God because everything good in our life is His. No matter how big, how small, how good, how new, how old, it doesn't matter. If it's good, it's His. It's from Him. Our houses, they keep the rain off our head, the food that we have to eat. All of it. This place that we have to worship, this fellowship of people that we have to share in Christ, all of it's from God. And He's to be praised for it. So when we lower our desires down to meet our possessions, and we're thankful for what we do have, and we stop looking for what we don't have, we find I have written here, everything that God has given me is good, and I am, and He is worthy of my praise for it. I struggle with contentment. What's interesting about Nate's sermon last week and then my sermon this week is last week was a really tough one for me. I had a hard week. It was rough. And it wasn't rough because there was any one thing. There was nothing environmental that was making it harder. I was just in a funk and struggling. And my wife will attest to this. For something, it was just something was off. I wasn't happy. I was grumpy. 
I've been moody all week, not very upbeat, not very positive, which ends up flowing into everybody else I'm around. I'm a builder. I do have some employees. And even when I would sit down in the office with them and be grumpy, an hour later I would notice that their disposition changed. And it, comes, it stems from me. I've just been off. So to, to take a step back and think about being thankful and content this time of year is, is something that I really need. And as I studied through this a little bit more, I was like, man, I, I can preach to you guys all day long, but ultimately, I'm, this is for me. Sorry. <laughs> I hope we all get something from it, but don't think that as I'm going through this, that any part of it is because I'm immune. I'm not. Again, I struggle with contentment. I look at Kyle, and I think, and these are thoughts that I've had, that I've, I've actually had. So Kyle Floyd is right here. He's a man with a beautiful beard. I have, I have thought to myself, man, I wish I could be as creative as Kyle. I wish I could have the creativity and the ingenuity that Kyle has. I wish I had that, because he is. He's wildly creative. He can make things out of nothing. He can fix any problem. And I've even thought to myself, if I just had as thick of a beard, I would be better off. Man, if I just had a thicker beard, maybe a thicker mustache, they wouldn't make fun of me when I grow it out and shave everything else off. What if I had what if I had the the quick wittedness, the boldness that Nate Porter has? What if I had that? That'd be better, right? What if I had the biblical knowledge that he has? He just whip it out. Seems like I can just whip it out. Whatever it is, just go right to it. As long as he's got this old Bible and not his new one, then he can just go right to the page. Right? What if I had that? I'd be better off. I don't want to work for it. I don't want to work to get there, but I'd be better off. Brian Bray's not here. I thought about him. At one point in my life, I've said, man, I wish I had the locks and the flowing hair that Brian Bray has. I'd be better off. Life would be easy. This is the part where you'd have to like comb your hair and get ready. Those things I don't have to worry about. My haircuts cost like five bucks. His probably cost like 25 bucks. And then Jared Ferens. I don't know if you know Jared, if you've met Jared. If you haven't, then say hello to him. He is strong. Amazingly strong. And especially for a guy his height. Extremely strong. He can lift weights that are far past what I can lift. Far past. I work out in the same gym as him. And I watch him do things that I wish I could do. I wish I could lift two times my body weight above my head. I wish I could do that. And then squat. No, I can't. I can't even lift a third of my body weight like that. But he can. And I've, I've caught myself saying, man, I wish I had the strength that Jared had. I wish I had that. But I don't. I struggle with contentment every day. The struggle in mind, and I know that a lot of other people struggle with it as well. Again, especially in my culture. I see it all the time. I talk to people about it all the time. We load ourselves up with debt to try and get it. We put ourselves in terrible situations. Disrupt our families, our marriages, 
because of contentment. Because we're not happy. Because we can't find joy. We can't see God in the things that we have around us. Our relationships, all of us. First Timothy, Timothy, excuse me, First Timothy six six says, "But godliness with contentment is great gain." Go to Philippians four eleven. God, Paul wrote this. God, through Paul, wrote this while he was in prison. Philippians four eleven says. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am, I am, I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. And in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret. He is going to tell us the secret, ladies and gentlemen. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. That's the secret. Paul gave us all of it. He says, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. How did God strengthen Him? How does God strengthen us? How does God strengthen you? That's the question you should be asking. How does God strengthen me? Think about it. I'll give you a minute. How does He strengthen me? What does He strengthen? What is He strengthening? Can I lift three times my weight over my head? Does that make me stronger? In God's eyes? Your faith. That's what God is strengthening. That's what he's building. Your faith. That's what he did to Paul. He built his faith. That's his strength. His faith. So what is faith? What is faith? Is faith belief? Hebrews 11.1 1 answers it for us. If you want to flip over there. Hebrews 1.11 says, sorry, excuse me, I misled you there. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, an assurance about what we do not see. What is our hope? That God will, will deliver on His word. Right? That's our hope. That God will deliver on His word. That one day we will look up and see Jesus coming back, riding a white horse in the clouds. What do we not see? What is the assurance, the confidence in what we do not see around us? His work. His work. We don't get to see well. I wasn't there when Jesus was crucified. I didn't, I didn't get to see that happen, but, but through this, I have assurance. Through his word, I have assurance 
that it did happen. And through this, I have assurance that he will come back and that all of God's promises will be true. So what if Jesus did come back right now? What if we looked outside, if we looked outside and saw him coming down from the clouds right now? And all my life, I had never had any faith I had the knowledge of his existence. And then as I saw him coming down, I said, oh, I believe. <laughs> I believe. Am I a believer or am I, do I have faith? Am I faithful? Just a believer. I had no faith. As I saw him coming down, now I believe. I have physical proof and I believe you. But up until that point, did I? Did I have faith? No, I didn't. Plenty of people believe in God, but fewer than that are faithful to God. That's faith. Faith is an interesting subject. Faith is interesting because God gives us faith. And God increases our faith. I think faith originates at the moment we discover His love, His justice, His mercy, His plan, His grace. The moment we discover that, we discover His faith. Let me take that back. The minute we discover that, we discover the faith that he has given us. I view it as like a a small flame burning. The minute we discover that, that flame's lit. And we discover his mercy and justice. Gospel. Romans 10.17 says, And this is where I get it from. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing that gospel message and that imagine that flame is lit inside us. That little pilot light. We start to gain faith. Maybe, maybe we're not quite saved or pursued faith. Because what happens next Right? Through faith, we're saved. We're baptized. Through faith, excuse me, we repent and we are baptized and we are saved. Through faith, all of that. What comes next is all through faith. Faith that what God says is true. What He says of His Word, the Word that we hear, is real. What God wants, though, is for that flame, that pilot light to grow and grow and grow and grow. He wants that flame to increase. Faith is like a snowball. Have you ever been driving through the mountains and you look up on a steep hill and you can see where the snow has come off um, the corner?
cornice. So a cornice is like where the wind is blown. It's an overhill and it kind of overhangs the top of the mountain a little bit. And that, that falls off. And as that falls off, a little chunk of snow comes off, but as it rolls down the hill, you can see the trail of it, right? Kind of skipping along. And it gets it goes from real small to bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until it hits the bottom. That's that's kind of what faith is like. Faith builds on faith. It starts as this small little piece and it rolls down the hill and it gets bigger and bigger. Every once in a while it may it may tumble a little bit and they knock off a piece, but as long as it keeps rolling down that hill, as long as it keeps rolling down in the snow, it'll continue to grow. And that's, that's how I see faith. That's the image that I see in my head is, is faith. But more importantly, faith just like that snow, if faith builds on faith. As we are faithful, as we keep faith and trust in God, He continues to grow our faith. And then it grows more. And then it grows more. And it's exponential. It just keeps going and going and going. Through faith, we read Genesis and understand that God made the heavens and the earth. And through that faith, that Genesis is right, and it's it's God's that's God's handwriting that then we can start to understand more parts of the Bible. And as we understand more, as we're as we're faithful that it is truth, we can understand more. Through faith, we believe that God will deliver a Messiah, right? We read that. And then through faith, we deliver that that Messiah is Jesus. And through faith, we believe that God, that, well, excuse me, through faith that Jesus will return. Now the gospel can be understood through faith. Another interesting thing about faith is it has action. It's not just the belief of truth or the belief in God, or just even a trust in God, faith has action. We see that in James. So go over to James chapter 2. Go to verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not accomplished by, excuse me, is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. 
you believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. I'm going to go on, but let's go back to that verse 19. Or sorry, let's go back even a little bit further to 18b. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. If you have faith, there will be deeds. In a nutshell, to summarize that. If you have faith in God, you will have deeds. You will want to do good. So let's go on in verse 20. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac at the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, not by faith alone. In the same way, not even Rahab and the, the prostitute considered, not even Rahab, the prostitute considered righteousness for what she sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. I don't have a whole lot of notes on that one. I think it speaks pretty clearly for itself. You have faith. You will see deeds. If you have faith, then you'll want to do God's work. You'll live a certain way. So, the last point I have is, how do we increase faith? Can we increase faith? Is it something that we can increase ourselves? A little bit more sticky of a subject, right? God gives us faith. But our faith, our faith increases. We can sure help Him. I know that each, each, for each one of us, God wants to, to get into our minds, our bodies, and our souls for each one of us. He wants to see that faith increase and be about. So I have written here, read the Word. How to increase faith. Step one, read the Word. Go to James 1, James chapter 1, 22. Oh, excuse me, I'm getting ahead of myself. Sorry about that. Keep your thumb on it. Read the Word. Find out what God wants for you. Listen to the ways He tells you and all the ways you can be trusted. Isn't that what we see throughout the Bible? As 
all the ways that you can trust God and all the things that He wants for you and all the good that it will bring. Not temporal, everlasting. And then I have here the second item to increase faith. Heed the Word. That's where we go to James chapter 1. So 122. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law and gives, that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they had heard, but in doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Heed the word. Do what it says. Try it out. Give it a shot. And last, test the word. Not contesting. I didn't say contest. I said test the word. Don't contest God. But test it. Try it. If something's not working in your life, and I guarantee you, you know if it's not working in your life because it's not working. Try a different way. Try God's way. Test it. Give it a try. See what happens. Better yet, in that test, and as part of that test, look back. See if it's made a difference. I'm not talking about personal gain here. I'm talking about overall joy and well-being, contentment. Look back. Count your blessings. Try giving thanks. And then you tell me if that didn't make a difference in your life. If all of a sudden there's joy in small things. And you tell me if you find less trust in God. In his ways. I would say that if you truly had faith and you truly listened, not for a minute or two, but truly made a paradigm shift and changed your life, changed what maybe you're doing, maybe the way I see things, I can tell you. I was on the roof yesterday hanging Christmas lights. This is a small note, but it's still relevant. I was on the roof yesterday changing Christ, or putting up Christmas lights. And like I said, I've been in a little bit of a funk, so I wasn't happy about it. I'd been dreading it for two days. I don't know why, but I was. I was grumbling the whole time I was up there on the roof putting up these Christmas lights. All I have to do is take them down. It's cold. Put them up to take them down. All we're doing is keeping up with our neighbors. This is awful. I don't know why we do this. I would rather be ice fishing right now or watching YouTube. Something other than this. And I got done and I got down. 
and I just came inside, and there's my daughter outside with one of our older neighbors, and I had put up, I have this deer that has these huge antlers that hunt, and she's hugging the deer as the deer's turning on, and she's showing our neighbor how content and happy she is with her dad's work. It's Christmas lights. It's probably not that big of a deal, but still, I should have been up on that rooftop singing God's praises for being able to stand on a rooftop that's mine, that houses my children, and that we get to have people over and enjoy, that we get joy out. We're safe, we're sound, it's wonderful. And I should be up there saying, Hallelujah, thank you God, I am blessed and content. Thank you. But I wasn't. Again, testing, testing, triumph, testing. Test his word, give it a shot. The last thing I have written here that we'll wrap up with is as we walk in the Spirit, allowing Him to control our lives, we begin to trust Him. As we have faith, we gain more faith. Colossians 2, 1 Colossians 2. Excuse me, Colossians 2. Verse 7, let your roots grow down into him and drop nourishment from him so that you will grow in faith. Strong and vigorous in the truth you were taught. Let your lives overflow with thanksgiving for all that he has done. Give him your everything. Everything good from Him. And watch Him increase your faith. All the while, look back and count all your blessings for all the good that He has done. Amen? Amen. Thank you, guys. Who has... All right, the big guy. Now you know what I've been talking about. <laughs> you can see him in person.